Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Star, the Norwegian high-tech hydrogen company, recently announced a Series B funding round of U.S. $26 million to rapidly scale up to full operations with an automated gigawatt capacity production line by 2050. CEO Frederick Mowell says the company's proton exchange membrane electrolyzers produce green hydrogen from water electrolysis using less energy than existing technologies and enable a substantial increase in hydrogen production output. In today's Sustainable Finance Podcast episode, Mole will explain how Star makes the world's most efficient PEM electrolyzers for green hydrogen production, an important source of energy for the net zero carbon transition. Hello, Frederick, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for the introduction and uh, happy to be here today. Yes, we're very excited to have you on the program. Green hydrogen is all over the news these days in the in the world of sustainable business development. So let's begin today's program by telling our followers what a PEM electrolyzer is and how it produces green hydrogen. Yes, I'll do that. Maybe talk about electrolyzers in general. The there are different types of uh, electrolyzers, including PEM and alkaline, but they basically work according to the same same principles, and that's basically taking water, which is H2O, and splitting that into hydrogen and oxygen, and using electric power to split up the water molecule. So you have an anode and a cathode and a membrane in the middle, or an electrolyte in the middle, and that's the case for for all types of electrolyzers, and uh, that's how you get green hydrogen. So when you use water, there's no carbon involved, and there will be no CO2 uh, emissions. So as long as you use renewable power, uh, which is key here, you're using renewable power to split up uh, H2O into hydrogen and oxygen. So then the only emissions you get are essentially uh, some oxygen and some some water. So it's completely emissions-free, and that's kind of the definition of green hydrogen, contrary to gray hydrogen or blue hydrogen. Yes, you know, t- tell us a little bit about the other colors of hydrogen. They're not as they're not as clean, <laughs> right? Uh, but are, uh, they, yes. been, are they also used for energy sources? Well, definitely. You know, there's uh, every year. I think the global uh, value of hydrogen sales uh, annually is about $100 billion. So hydrogen is used extensively today, primarily as a feedstock for various industrial processes like uh, ammonia production being one, and you can production of glass and pharmaceuticals and refineries and so on. So there's a widespread use of hydrogen today. And the challenge with hydrogen is that on the one hand, it's the most abundant uh, element in the universe, but on the other hand, it doesn't exist naturally in its pure form. So you need to get it from either water, which is green hydrogen, or some kind of uh, hydrocarbon, which is gray hydrogen. So 95-6% of uh, the world's hydrogen production is gray, and it comes from 
primarily from natural gas, but it can, you can also uh, use coal or any type of hydrocarbon, but you essentially then need to, in the case of natural gas, you need to separate the carbon from the hydrogen in, uh, in CH4, which would be natural gas. And uh, that requires a lot of energy in point one, and it also generates a lot of uh, CO2 emissions because you have carbon in the mix there. So, so that's uh, that's gray, and that's what's being used primarily. And blue is essentially gray hydrogen, but where you capture the CO two emissions. So, if you're able to capture the CO two emissions and store them, or deposit it somewhere, or use it in some way, I mean, you could produce more beer or or soda or something like that, and use the <laughs> CO two for that. And, and that uh, uh, then you essentially also have emissions free, but you, you need to capture that CO two and ideally use it for something. Okay, so thank you for that further explanation. I, that certainly helps my perspective in terms of what you're doing. Frederick, High Star's PEM electrolyzers have a 90% thinner membrane than conventional electrolyzers. And why is that important for the production of green hydrogen? So the key thing with uh, producing hydrogen in general, and particularly now green, which is emissions-free is to be able to produce uh, green hydrogen at the lowest cost possible. You know, it's important to, you know, for us as a company to be competitive, but even more important to unlock uh, new market opportunities and applications you know, to get uh, hydrogen down to a level where it's um, competitive with gray and uh, longer term, even less costly than gray. And uh, What's important to realize uh, in this context is that there are losses, of course, as with any uh, system, there are losses, but in an electrolyzer, the losses are uh, primarily a result of the uh, resistance across the membrane. So almost all of the energy losses are a result of having to push through uh, protons and, um, and electrons through the, uh, through the membrane. And, uh, the thicker the membrane, the higher the losses and the lower the efficiency. So ideally, you would like that membrane to be infinitely thin. But the challenge with that is uh, a safety, fundamental safety issue, because as, you, as I explained earlier, when you're splitting uh, water, H2O, into hydrogen and oxygen, you have one side of the membrane will uh, will uh, will have a hydrogen environment, and the other side will have an oxygen environment. And the purpose of the membrane is to separate hydrogen from oxygen. Because if you have too much hydrogen and ox oxygen, you get an explosive mixture, right. and that's bad news. So you need that membrane to be uh, relatively thick, and it's not thick kind of physically. We're talking still about 150 to 200 micrometers. Uh, and that's sufficient to ensure that you don't have too much hydrogen crossing over from the cathode to the anode, so from the hydrogen to the oxygen side. So what we have done is we have come up with a uh, patented solution which allows us to use thin membranes. Uh, and you're correct, it's about a tenth of the thickness of a conventional uh, uh, PEM electrolyzer membrane. We're actually using a mass-produced fuel cell membranes and fuel cell membranes are, are a lot thinner and they're produced in much larger quantities. So our uh, technology is not centered around having come up with a new type of membrane, but it's allowing us to use a thin membrane. So 
So by having that thinner membrane, we significantly reduce the losses and thereby we have a much, much higher efficiency than uh, what you would see in a state-of-the-art or, or conventional electrolysis system. So the way we do this is uh, we have a, an external, and you'll have to excuse me, Paul, if I get too technical, then please hold me back. But, okay. <laughs> uh, but what, what we do is fairly straightforward, and uh, we are taking external air into that uh, anode uh, side of uh, the membrane where we have uh, oxygen and where we don't want hydrogen. And uh, we are using uh, this... Uh, thin membrane as i mentioned and we allow some of that hydrogen to cross over it has to because the membrane is a lot thinner but we dilute that side of the uh, the membrane that anode side with uh, external ambient air so we have a, a continuous air circulation there where we are flushing out and diluting the uh, venting out effectively the uh, hydrogen that's crossing over and it's not a large quantity in absolute terms it doesn't kind of have any uh, commercial impact we're not losing a lot of uh, hydrogen in absolute terms but it's uh, it's very critical to keep that uh, side of the uh, electrolyzer safe and keep the hydrogen concentration below two percent and we are operating at below one percent and we can very accurately control the gas mixture on that side and that allows us to use that thin membrane uh, also provides an additional safety feature because uh, now, you could get a rupture in the membrane, that could happen to us and it can happen to others. And uh, then you'd have hydrogen gushing over to the oxygen side. And in our case, we can simply flush that out by increasing the flow air going through there. And, you know, that's an additional safety feature that you don't have in a conventional electrolyzer. I see. So, so that's, uh, that's well, go the, ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the key, key to the whole concept, basically. Okay. Now, that's very important, I believe, based on uh, the notes that we've exchanged uh, in hard-to-abate sectors of the economy, especially when you're trying to produce hydrogen at scale, as, as you've been talking about. So give us a couple of examples of, of why that is, is so important in, in these sectors of the economy. You know, well, first of all, you can't electrify everything. I think that's one one aspect there. I know there are a lot of people, when they hear about hydrogen, they immediately start talking about cars and, and planes and trains. And uh, trains, is, I think, is a good good application, by the way. But it's that's not the initial main market that we are focusing on. I think heavy-duty transportation will be important. So the... Uh, further you need to travel and the higher the payload, the more relevant hydrogen becomes because uh, you get to a point where, you know, the battery becomes uh, much larger than the payload. And uh, at a certain point, the, the math just doesn't add up. But, you know, electric cars, for instance, they function quite well. I drive one myself and I'll, I'll probably drive a hydrogen car at one point, but I'm kind of in that uh, particular interest group that would, that would do that. Uh -huh. So, so you have um, a transportation, which is a new market coming up. But what's uh, what's uh, you know the sectors that we are focusing on primarily in the beginning are industrial uh, sectors where you already have a, a large hydrogen demand and that are that's primarily grey today. So you're looking at steel production, uh, ammonia production, glass production. 
various uh, refinery processes. There you would need uh, hydrogen, and uh, you know a lot of these uh, companies are now focusing on switching from green, or sorry, from gray to green. What's important there is to be able to provide a solution that's uh, economical and that. Uh, that doesn't cost significantly more than gray, and ideally it should be on par or better than gray. So and that's where efficiency comes in. You know, so if you need less electric power to produce one molecule of hydrogen, you know that's key. And we we can produce uh, hydrogen uh, compared to the state of the art systems at uh, a ten to fifteen percent lower energy consumption. And if you're paying prime uh, electricity prices then uh, and you have a 500 megawatt uh, ammonia plant and uh, that's a lot of uh, kilowatt hours and a lot of uh, several million dollars per year uh, of potential savings so that's where the interest uh, by public and private companies and asset managers for investment in a firm like high star and the firm's green hydrogen technology is coming from. Can you give our listeners a couple of examples? Uh, we've talked, you've talked about a, a couple already, but a couple of additional examples of why these investors are funding the development of your high star technology. Yeah, so, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, Paul, you know, there's uh, uh, already a uh, massive uh, growth in green hydrogen and then uh, deployment of electrolyzers. But it's a fairly recent uh, development. Uh, so, you know, the market, uh, if you're looking at installed capacity in 2021, uh, delivered capacity, I should say, was around 300 megawatts. And I don't have the numbers for 2022 yet, but I, it will be significantly up from that. And uh, we are quickly, we will see gigawatts of electrolyzers being installed. There's no doubt about that, really. It's, you know, how many gigawatts, you could say. I know the EU have a target to, uh, that's EU alone, to install 100 gigawatts by 2030. That's only you know, seven years away. And um, so that's point one. You know, there's a big uh, growth. Uh, it's a, uh, a kind of a bit of a pioneering market. There are no kind of dominant, players i would say and uh, and high star uh, represents uh, you know we're a relatively new company uh, but we have a very interesting technology that has the potential to to do very well in this very very high growth market so it's a combination of a market that's uh, growing fast and is expected to be a very very large market in the i would say medium term we have a unique patented technology that deals directly with the uh, with making green hydrogen competitive on a large scale large industrial scale i think that's the general backdrop as to why investors in general have invested a lot within the green hydrogen space and um, i think our angle or claim to fame if you like is that we have this unique technology which is not something that's too we haven't seen many other cases who are differentiating themselves with a with a different technology. There is a big focus on increasing capacity now. So all of the electrolyzer manufacturers are pushing hard to invest in production capacity and reducing uh, costs, improving manufacturing processes, looking at alternative materials and, and, and all of those uh, important things. And 
we need to do that as well uh, and are working on that in addition to uh, to a continuous development of our technology but it's this patented operating principle if you like that gives us the the edge in, in that area that's really important, obviously, for your company. Uh, one of the things that I've spoken to other podcast guests about, uh, Frederick, in the, in the recent past is the idea of hydrogen storage. And, and, and in one case, this, uh, we were talking about, um, storage hubs uh, in the U.S. Uh, 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 where there's good port facilities. Do you have any input on something like that? Why the development of, of hydrogen hubs might be uh, of high value to the, to the end users and the manufacturers at the same time over time? Yeah, maybe if I could start by answering that to kind of take one step back and, you know, the importance of hydrogen storage and the use of hydrogen, uh, green hydrogen in particular, or especially here, is, is really partially a result of the uh, tremendous growth in uh, deployment of renewable power. You know, some and, and, and primarily over the last uh, you know, a couple of decades, that's been an unprecedented uh, growth. And, and um, the challenge, of course, as um, is quite clear, is that when you get a certain, to a certain level of uh, of renewable power deployment, uh, you run into some challenges, uh, technical challenges in terms of uh, being able to deal with a very large percentage of renewable power that's unpredictable and intermittent by nature. Uh, and you get the economic effects of that as well with massive price fluctuations are new, you know, it's somewhere between, you know, 20 and 30% in a country's Power production will you start to see this these challenges, which basically makes it impossible to grow that renewable power percentage further without some kind of storage. So that's where storage comes in. So you could use batteries, but you know, if you're talking about large-scale systems, that becomes less and less relevant. And so that's where hydrogen has become a, a key part in the. Uh, continued growth in renewable power. We need them, they need us. It's a kind of a symbiotic relationship. And, and you need storage solutions because you can then, at times where you have a surplus renewable power, which is basically free power or priced very low, and you kind of need to get rid of it, basically. You will put that into an electrolyzer and produce low-cost uh, green hydrogen. And you can store that uh, somewhere and... Um, uh, transport it to an end user or you could convert it back into electricity when you have very high electricity prices you have a, a sort of an arbitrage there between kind of producing it at very low prices and then converting it back in high prices or you can mix it into pipelines with natural gas for instance that's what the companies are looking at that so so um, you know that's the reason why hydrogen storage has become important and why you're looking at hubs or sort of building up um, uh, green hydrogen installations in combination with very large renewable energy uh, projects. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I think, yes, I think it really helps 
me and I'm sure our followers understand that there's a lot of infrastructure in the energy sector already that is going to be used going forward with cleaner types of energy as well. So if you can tell our followers about HiStar's plan to install its first automated gigawatt manufacturing facility by 2025, how is that going to work out? Well, I hope it's going to work out splendidly. We have started, uh, <laughs> started the process and we're busy talking to uh, uh, to uh, suppliers and partners who will uh, deliver the automated uh, assembly lines, which is what it is effectively. So, you know, we are as a company uh, assembling, we're, we're kind of doing everything, I guess, except producing components. That's the best way to put it. So when we manufacture an electrolyzer, we actually source the components from uh, established, uh, well-proven suppliers around the world. And uh, there are proprietary components according to our uh, general designs, but those components then come in and we assemble the, uh, the stack internally. And that's the um, uh, gigawatt uh, line we're talking about here, and that will be fully automated. Uh, no, primarily to ensure good uh, repeatability and high quality. Have two hundred cells that are stacked on top of each other, and that's a very repetitive task. Task which is ideally suited for automation. So we have designed our product to be well suited to existing um, automation technologies. And um, but a lot of the important work happens with our suppliers and. Since we're using a thin membrane and our components, uh, as a result of that, all the components in the stack are much more similar to a fuel cell product than an electrolyzer. A fuel cell is essentially an electrolyzer in reverse, and they are mass producing a lot of these uh, thin components, not just the membrane, but the bipolar plates and the porous transport layers and all the components that go into a, an electrolyzer stack are also produced for fuel cells. but with those thinner components. So we are using, I would say, a, a different supply chain from a typical electrolyzer, and we benefit from a high volume uh, supply chain uh, with a lot of uh, mass manufacturing processes, which are um, uh, more cost-effective than for the conventional electrolyzer components, which are, to a large extent, also produced in-house with many of the other OEMs, so they have their in-house Manufacturing that they need to scale up, and I'm sure they will be able to do that over time. But we have this benefit that we can scale pretty quickly and and uh, move move uh, faster and uh, uh, benefit from an existing supply chain. That's terrific. Well, listen, continue good luck, not only with your scaling, but with your capital raising. Frederick, where online can our followers go to learn more about High Stars leading? green hydrogen production technologies, and how can they get in touch with you to learn more about the issues that we've discussed in today's podcast episode? Best would probably be to uh, to follow us on LinkedIn. We have a pretty active uh, profile there, and we announce uh, uh, most of the important stuff that we do on LinkedIn. We have a website as well, which is uh, highstar.com. Mm -hmm. uh, but our LinkedIn profile is uh, probably a good source of uh, source of information, and uh, we can be contacted through LinkedIn or, or, or through our website as well. Terrific. Well, thanks again to Frederick Mowell, CEO at HiStar, and to our followers. Join us again next week for another episode.
I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Sustainable Finance Podcast.